Well, welcome everybody. We are glad that you are with us today. If you're visiting, welcome. If you're not visiting, welcome. Thank you for being with us. If you're online, well, welcome. We are glad that you're able to be with us in that mode too. Well, if you were paying attention at all, you know it's Mother's Day. Thank you for that communion talk, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Uh, Jeremy and I famously don't coordinate our communion talks and our sermons, and uh, it's going to be evident of that today since I'm spending a good bit on Mary and her experiences. Mother's Day is a, a challenge for preachers because we have to do it every year. It's probably easier for preachers who uh, get fired every three years. But, you know, if you be at a church for 20-plus years, like Jeremy and I have been, it gets, it gets it, you know, you have to think of stuff. I was, uh, I was looking at the history of Mother's Day, and it, it has a long history, or at least a long trail in history. In America, it's obviously real recent because our country's recent. It starts with a lady named Ann Jarvis, as far as most people think, uh, right at the end of the Civil War, the American Civil War. She's in West Virginia, and she's literally, she'd already done some things to try and, you know, teach mothering skills to uh, women in her community, but she started using that mechanism she had created to build peace. She did something almost nobody was in the mood to do at the end of the Civil War. There, right at the border, West Virginia, she began to invite Confederate mothers to come together with Union mothers to celebrate and to work on this job of motherhood. In 1868, she named those Mother's Peace Days, and she worked at that and worked at that and worked at that, and, and a lot of historians pin that as the first American celebrations of Mother's Day. Her daughter, Anna Jarvis, when her mother died, when Ann Jarvis died, uh, her daughter petitioned and petitioned her town and surrounding towns. She worked with commerce. She worked with local governments and got Mother's Day started, sort of in memory of her own mother. And eventually she created a movement. It started in 1903, something like that. And by 1914, it was enough of a national movement that the president, Woodrow Wilson, signed it and made it a national holiday. That's why we have this celebration today. It's kind of changed in some of its meaning. It is the day in which phone calls spike 37%. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, because what that means is, Y'all not calling your mothers other days of the year. More cards are sent on mother. More flowers are bought on Mother's Day than on Valentine's Day or Christmas. 
kind of an amazing thing. Because being a mother is an amazing thing. And however we may forget that or however life may distract us from that, being a mother is kind of an amazing thing. We all know that. And when we think about it for very long, we, we come to remember it again. What you may not know is that the Bible says God is with mothers. It says it in a number of different ways. The most obvious is this passage that we had read today, Psalms 139, 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. When mothers give life, God is there. That whole exciting, scary, frequently nauseating process of bringing a child into the world is a process where God says, I'm there. I am with you doing that. I am in that process. And it makes sense, right? God is the author of, in Genesis chapter 1, where does life come from? God looks at this creation of his. He sees these skies and seas that he's made, but they're empty. And he says, let there be life in these skies. Let, let there be birds. And he looks at these seas and he says, let these waters teem with life. It's God who brings forth life. He looks at this land that he's made, beautiful, dry land. And he says, let, let the land bring forth animals after their kind. It's God who takes dust of the ground and puts human beings together. God is the author of life. And so mothers, when you bring life, and fathers, when you do that, what you do, God is in that process of bringing life into the world. Now the story, there are two stories that I want to focus on. There are several of them that we could look at. The story that Jeremy told us about, the story of Mary. If you've got your study sheets, you can... Look there on the sheet, or you can turn to Luke chapter 1, look at verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a barren woman, older, kind of like Sarah that we're going to talk about in a minute. God gives her a miraculous pregnancy in her old age, and John the Baptist is a result. But that's not the story we're going to tell now. We're going to tell Mary's story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. 
you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The Lord is with you, Mary. The Lord is with you. And all these things will happen because you are going to give birth. Now, Mary had some questions. Verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary, the Lord is with you. Blessed is the one who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is a unique moment of doing an enormously common thing, bringing a child into a world. Mary said, let it be done to me as you have said. She believed the Lord. She said yes to this child. She didn't get a lot of answers to the questions that were in her mind. She didn't get a lot of answers to all the things that this child would mean. The angel didn't say, Anything about the question we know had to have been in her mind. What's Joseph going to think? Or the question that we suspect had to be in her mind. What are my parents going to think? Or the question that certainly came up eventually. What are the people in the town going to think? She didn't get answers to any of those. She said, let it be done to me. As the Lord has said. She said yes to this child. This child, she was told, is going to be a child of the Most High. And she believed the Lord. 
The Lord is with you, she was told. And she believed the Lord. And so when she is ready to deliver this baby, big, great with child, Caesar in Rome thinks that's a good time to say, let's ride a donkey three days so that I can make sure I get all the taxes that I'm due. And for three days, great with child, she and her husband go back to Bethlehem. Is the Lord really with me? Is this child really God's son? Is God really going to smooth the way? She gets to Bethlehem. And Joseph rushes from door to door to door, and guess what the news is that he brings back? I'm sorry, honey, but there is literally no place for us to stay. I mean, the, the innkeeper said we can go to the barn. I'm pregnant. Does he not know I'm going to give birth any second? Yeah. He didn't care. They're full. Everything's full. The Lord is with you, she was told. And she believed the Lord. Sometimes it gets hard. She goes to the temple when it's time to dedicate Jesus. And, and an old, old prophet is there. And he is ecstatic. His name is Simeon. He's been waiting to see God's Messiah. And Jesus is it. When he sees this baby squirming in Mary's arms, he says, this is the one I've been waiting for. God, you can let me die now because I've seen your salvation. When he sees Mary, he says, this baby is going to be the falling and rising of many in Israel, but Mary, a sword will pierce your heart. This is God's son. The angel said, the Lord is with me. Are you sure, Simeon? It's God's son. Are you sure? She treasured that, stored that up, locked it up in her heart. And Jesus is 12, like they do every year. They go back. They're not rich, but they're faithful. And they go back and observe the festivals. They're in Jerusalem, and they, they're going back with the crowd, back to their home. And it's three days before they realize Jesus is lost. And they are out of their minds trying to find out where he is. And where do they find him? He's not worried. They're freaking out. Didn't you know I had to be in my father, literally? I had to be about my father's business or doing my father's work or ways to translate that. I had to be in my father. Didn't you know that? No, I didn't know that, Jesus. <laughs> Come with us. 
And he comes with them. Jesus begins his ministry. We don't get a lot of details about his raising. I'm sure it was like raising any kid. But he begins his ministry. And it's unlike any rabbi. It's unlike any any career. It is strange to see the things that Jesus is doing and the things that people are saying about Jesus. To the point, if you look at Mark 3, there is a moment when Jesus' family, and the implication is Mary is included in this story. In Mark 3, Jesus' family comes to take charge of him because their, their opinion at this point is that he's out of his mind. He has an evil spirit. The angel said, God is with me in this child, in this child I'm giving birth to. The angel said, I'm blessed to be giving birth to this child. She believed the Lord, but that doesn't mean it was easy. Simeon said, a sword will pierce your heart. And as Jeremy said in our communion talk, eventually she sees the leadership of her nation turn increasingly murderous against her firstborn child. until they take him and whip a mob into a frenzy against him and essentially coerce the Romans to put him on a Roman cross and crucify him. And she stands at the foot of the cross and watches that happen. I don't know what she thought. She believed the Lord. And she had heard the words that she was blessed. That didn't mean it was easy. She watched him die on that cross. She watched them take him down. It says the women followed, saw where they put him. And at least one of the gospel accounts says she was with the group that came and was trying to put spices on the body as soon as the Sabbath day was over. I don't know what she thought was going to happen, but she didn't think that he was going to rise from the dead. She thought his dead body was in that grave. The Lord is with me, the angel said. She believed the Lord. But I mean it was easy. We don't have an account of what she felt when she, when she realized that Jesus had risen from the dead. We know that she was with the 120 that were gathered together on the day of Pentecost. She and the brothers of Jesus had definitely changed their mind at that point. 
And they were rejoicing with the apostles at the life that Jesus was bringing. And they took part in that early Christian community blessed by the Holy Spirit. That we know because the Bible tells us that. And so the pains and the spear in her heart, the sword in her heart, I like to think that that was at least to some degree swallowed up in the great victory of Jesus over death. But I just want you to understand that just because you believe the Lord is with you doesn't make it easy. My point is this. God was with Mary. God is with Mothers, as they say yes to all that a child needs. Mary's story is important to us, not because it is unique, though it has absolutely unique elements. God chose to bring Jesus into the world this way, I'm convinced, because it is the experience that so many people participate in. And just as God was with Mary, God is with you when you bring a child into the world, when you say yes to all that that means. Even when you don't physically give birth, when you take on responsibility for a child to help them grow and you allow yourself to be vulnerable to them to the point where they have the power to pierce your heart with a sword. You say yes to give of yourself to allow a child to live. God is with you. And you can believe that. Doesn't mean it's easy. But it is true. And the other story I want to tell about mothers is the Sarah story. I love this story. Genesis 18, 9 through 15. Hebrews 11 says, Don't be afraid to entertain strangers because sometimes people have entertained angels unaware. It may be Hebrews 13. I'm maybe confused there, but it's in Hebrews somewhere. Abraham sees three guys walking in the heat. He says, oh, come in, come in, come in. Let me me feed you. He slaughters an animal. He prepares bread himself. He wants to relieve their hunger and relieve their travels just for a little bit. It turns out who's visiting him is God in three persons. And God talks to Abraham and has a conversation with him. And this is part of the conversation, starting in Genesis 18, verse 9. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself, and she thought, 
after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied, and she said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did. Skip down to chapter 21, if you're in your Bibles. Verse 1, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah just as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about that will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The name Isaac actually means, this is Isaac in the Bible, the name Isaac actually means laughter because of this incident and the earlier incident and the fact that Abraham laughed too earlier. It's a funny idea that a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old lady have a newborn baby. It's a funny idea. It's an idea they had both been promised. It's an idea they had both, we believe, prayed for and worked towards. Nevertheless, it came as a surprise. It says, I will be here, and you'll receive this blessing. God is with mothers to bring blessings they don't expect. That's the last message I want to leave on this Mother's Day. Sarah is a good example of receiving a blessing she really had stopped expecting a long time earlier. She maybe hoped for a little bit, but when somebody said it's actually going to happen, she laughed. Seems so unrealistic. And that's true for you mothers as well. Whether you're a mother who gives birth, whether you're a mother who takes on that role to nurture and help. There are blessings in that role that you kind of expect. There are blessings in that role that you hope for. You hope to get that phone call on Mother's Day. But the blessings that this verse is talking about, or these verses are talking about, are those unexpected blessings. Because you're not raising a clone of yourself, you're not raising a robot where you pull all the strings, you don't even want to do that. You're raising an individual who's going to go off and do things you never imagined. And the real blessings is the joy you get at seeing this child that you brought into the world or you helped thrive in the world, seeing that child do things. And be things 
that you never expected. This is a sermon for mothers. It applies to fathers too. I may just repeat it in four weeks. I don't know. God is in this thing that we do. You may do a lot of things in your life. You may build up a business. You may run a school. You may write wonderful books. I don't know all the things that you're going to do in your life. And when you get to the end of your life and look back, the thing that's going to excite you most, if you raised kids or helped to raise them, is the blessings that came out of that process. I think that's true. God is with those who take on this role. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your many, many blessings. Thank you for those who say yes to helping children thrive, whether they give birth or give love. God, we are grateful for those who are moved as you move in them to do this. And God, help each one of us to feel your presence and to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. If you need to respond to God's invitation, we invite you to do that. Think about what it is that you need most. Think about what needs to happen right now. If, if you need prayers publicly, if you need to say something publicly, maybe you need to come forward right now and, and talk about that to the church. That's good. That's healthy. That's strong. Or maybe today is the day that you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To say his name as your Lord. To put your sins behind you in his name because you believe in him. And to, and to take his name by being buried and raised again. If you want to take that step, we, we want to help you do it. You can come forward and we will do it right now. Why don't you come as we stand and as we sing.